Yeah, what were we saying? We should we should have just let ourselves say that. Yeah, I don't know why we uh, keep pulling ourselves out of the grave. We give ourselves a perfect opportunity to, to just be dead like we were supposed to be when we died on the podcast. That we deserve uh, to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not like literally not us because that's like that's too bleak but um but just like our our character the character yeah yeah so we don't have to do this every time yeah and keep coming back to this and are we better off like when we're making movies and doing stuff that's actually you know gonna add something to the world when we were stars when we were stars we had our brief moment in the sun yeah, what was that? When did we peak? Um, I don't know. It depends on who you are, could not it? Yeah. I would say this is the <laughs> end, probably. This is the end? I mean, I was thinking it was even before the podcast. I probably peaked as a person when I was like 16 years old and I used to like book shows and make music mm. properly and just like I felt like I, you know, had something going on. I had a little like scene building uh, and stuff you know mm. been that cool since no you're still pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> thanks man thanks, i think man. i peaked i think i peaked three years ago and i literally wrote, wrote about a movie that version, yeah wrote a movie about that bit of my life yeah just to immortalize it yeah I can't show my wife this episode. She can't listen to this. She's going to be like, oh, so you peaked before, like, you even met me and stuff? Oh, great. Oh, great. Oh, great. Yeah, great. great. But she, can't wait to- she should know that. Like, she should know that going into, you know, this episode or any future episode where I say anything, you know. Don't try to change me, baby. Self-deprecating because, like, I, I she's been married to me long enough to know that I'm not a happy person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy. There we go. Uh, I I think the good thing, though, is, Phil, uh, a lot of people aren't happy. Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am here today with my, aimed after a, a capital of a state boy, Phil. Uh, Phil, how's it going? You got any further on that editing? You know, you didn't... You know, I asked you nicely beforehand to not bring it up, and you did it anyway. Um, um, I'm still at three minutes, but you know, I've, I've, <laughs> okay, I've thought, you know, um, I've thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've put like more footage, you know, ingested more on, footage. And yeah, 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 yeah. Is that I've the word? That. Ingested? Yeah, I put it like you know, into the project. I just haven't like. Mm-hmm done anything with it okay um yeah yeah i'm fine surviving that's good cool. how about you how about you have that um <laughs> not to me <laughs> oh just do it no no i can't do, do it. it break my heart no just how it no just how are you how are you, are you okay <laughs> break my heart phil come yeah. on oh how how then how that new uh new album coming along <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you told me to say it. Double barreled. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. I had a really horrible, uh, you know, sometimes Facebook is uh, is is great when you get those 
memories, you know? Those memories, those lovely memories. Of when you peaked, yeah. To, to be honest, fuck, did I peak back then? That's probably when it was, really. Because, like, I, I made an album, <laughs> and, and then I just, like, was like, oh, I'm going to make another one. Yeah, I'm just going to, like, get this out, and then start working on another. And um, I saw a Facebook thing that said it had been seven years since I released <laughs> my first album. And I thought it was depressing, like, three or four years that, like, after that I hadn't released another. <laughs> and I've been working on this thing. Like, there's a few tracks that I have that, like... Well, funny enough, I did finally release them. So, like, um, to Manifest Destiny, that EP came out. Yeah, I'm not gonna... Yeah, I don't, don't want to, like... Yeah. To, you were putting one of those songs in your fucking movie, so, you know, like, chill out, bro. I did... There's three songs I want to put in the movie, actually. What for All, me? One from each. One from each, yeah. Okay, cool. Talk to my agent after. Ah, oh, come on, man. Do me... It's Steve. Do me, do me deal. She's, she's cool. Steve. Oh, that's cool. Okay. No, because you did yeah. you drop the EP. But yeah. I'm waiting for the other thing, which I've heard. Yeah. That, you just need that to release it. Other album. Yeah, I feel like I need mm. to add a couple more things to it. Um, but the fact that that's been seven years gap... And some of those songs that I think are on there are almost as old. <laughs> it's just sad. It's just sad, dude. I really, I sad. know the feeling. Where it's like I what, when I went uni like six or seven years ago. Mm. It took this long for me to do anything with it. But you made a movie, and that's cool, man. Like that's so much. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> it took so long to get there. Yeah, but it feels like that's so much more than like like ever like an album that i've ever made will ever like mean no. <laughs> in my opinion no, no that's so not fair yeah um, see how far the movie goes then yeah we'll talk. okay fair fair enough fair enough i didn't want to say it you made me say i know i know i shouldn't have done it because it's it's my own stupidity and now i'm gonna definitely feel bad about it and it's not your fault <laughs> it's just me like that's between me and my god that me and my god i'm gonna feel bad either way that's yeah. good <laughs> Well, Phil, let's move on to people who probably also feel this way. A great deal of pressure from years and years of having to live up to something bigger than anything they could ever, you know, possibly imagine to live up to. Phil, it is time for... Phil. Epitism. Children of men. Men, 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 children of men. Men, 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 children of men. John, 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 John. we're back at it again. So I felt like last week, but we're still trying to get like, you know, back into the, you know, swing of doing these episodes and figuring out what we're doing. And because we were doing these, like, you know, like squeezing in before we went on our break that we poorly executed the episodes in the planning stages, which means when the episode actually was being recorded last week, uh, it was coming out like, I think a bit, you know, disjointed and all over the place and scrambled. And I feel like this episode's going to be the same way. But I can at least say ahead of time that um, I think like we're going to get there and we'll figure it out. But um, 
I want to say that, like, uh, yeah, we maybe we should talk a little bit more about, like, um, like you know, before we get into this next one, like, Sofia Coppola, like, do you think she, like, lived up to her legacy properly of, like, you know, standing on her own two feet? I know we sort of briefly said, said it, but, you know, I think that's the point of this whole children of men thing of, like, where we were trying to figure out who who's, like, a badass director who actually, you know, is the child of a famous director. I think she did, and I. But I think she did it. In, I think all of these people will either fail or succeed in different ways. Yeah. But she did it in a more, maybe not more difficult, but like she make she doesn't make films like France for a couple, but she makes them the same wavelength, like art movies, indie movies, yeah, dramas. So her films can be scrutinized uh, with her father and yet they stand up yeah and she had created but she had etched out her own voice a very clear distinct voice of her own and manage it like you you hear Sophia Coppola and you think of Sophia Coppola you don't think of Francis Ford Coppola his daughter she also makes movies yeah that name yeah she's like redefined for her own thing which I feel like is maybe slightly different than what we're about to get into no, that, that, that's why I said it like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a this good way is, to put it there. This one is different. Yes, and I feel like most of the ones that we're going to talk about, barring the third week, is most of the people are filmmakers whose parents were making films in a time period like the 70s and the 80s where film is held to a, such a high regard, like the types of films that were coming out at that time. And it's really hard for anyone to live up to like the kind of shit that was like coming out in the seventies, like because it was such mm-hmm. a groundbreaking time of the new Hollywood movement of like Coppola and Spielberg and like if Spielberg had a kid like Max Spielberg like out here trying to make movies, you know, like it would be like you know a lot of pressure being put on them. And I think that's the same thing with like when we were relating this to like wrestlers and stuff. It's so hard to like live up to like an era of like wrestling. It's super popular, and your parent was a superstar, and like mm-hmm. you're like supposed to live up to this because you are the child of this famous person. But that's so much, you know, uh, pressure and weight being put on someone. But it's like it's funny that we're even doing this as a like because I hate that. I hate that we could put so much pressure on someone. And I, I hope that like at the end of this, we can say that like you know like do did they make their own sort of path, and that's cool. But it doesn't matter if they didn't, you know, like it, it doesn't matter if they weren't like as successful as their parent, because who cares? Like, you know, as long as they're like a happy functioning person. And that's at yeah. the end of the day, what we're all like hoping to be is just someone who's <laughs> proud of ourselves and our own accomplishments and just being like, I don't know, just happy in life, you know, in general. So that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> we reached such a catharsis now that like the second episode in you're right you know yeah. maybe you don't have to justify your existence like that maybe you're good yeah. enough just being a person and functioning and just being who you are you don't mm. have to live up to anything could all that stuff it's not real exactly it's not real it doesn't matter just like my feelings but you know what is real the fact that this movie exists it does. Yeah, I've seen it. What film is it? Juno. What's the prognosis, Fertile Myrtle? Minus or plus? 
There it is. Little pink plus sign is so unholy. That ain't no Etch-a-Sketch. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. Just tell him. I'm pregnant. Who is the father? It's Polly Bleeker. Polly Bleeker? I didn't think he had it in him. I know, right? <laughs> Did you see that coming? Yeah, but I was hoping she was expelled or into hard drugs. Or a DWI. Anything but this. I could, like, have this baby and, and give it to someone that, like, totally needs it. You should look at the Penny Saver. They have ads for parents. Yeah. Desperately seeking spawn. Hi. I'm Vanessa. Hi. I'm the husband. This, of course, is Juno. Like the city in Alaska. No. You're a part-time love friend, a full-time friend. When this is all over, we could, and we can always get back together. Uh, were we together? Yeah, we were once, you know? At time. You think you're really going to do this thing? If I could just have the thing and, and give it to you now, I totally would. But I'm guessing it looks probably like a sea monkey right now. Oh, we should let it get a little cuter, yes. right? Great. Keep it in the oven. Fox Searchlight Pictures presents a comedy about life. Oh, I thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say when. I don't really know what kind of girl I am. And the bumps along the way. Your little girlfriend gave me the stink eye in art class yesterday. Katrina's not my girlfriend, all right? And I doubt that she gave you the stink eye. That's just the way her face looks, you know? That's just her face. I don't know if I'm even ready to be a father. Yeah, hey, big puffy version of Junebug. Where you been? Start dealing with things way beyond my maturity level. to know that it's possible that two people can stay happy together forever. The best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are. Juno. Your parents are probably wondering where you are. Nah. I mean, I'm already pregnant, so what other kind of shenanigans can I get into? When precocious teenager Juno McGuff, played by Elliot Page, hooks up with classmate Polly Bleeker, played by Michael Sarah. <laughs> She becomes pregnant. Deciding against abortion, she chooses to carry the baby and give it up for adoption. She chooses failed rock star turned commercial jingle writer. Oh my God. Uh. Mark, played by Jason Bateman, and is desperate for a baby wife. Vanessa, played by Jennifer Garner. Man, she is popping up a lot lately, isn't she? Yeah, man. She's back. She, she turns to these two, Mark and Vanessa, to adopt her unborn child. Complications occur. When Juno gets more involved in the lives of the, her baby's adopted parents and Mark, the prospective father, begins viewing Juno as more than just the mother of his future child, putting both his marriage and the adoption in jeopardy. It's the 2007 American coming of age comedy drama directed by Jason Reitman and written by Diablo Cody. So, of course, mm -hmm. we are talking about Jason Reitman this week. Phil, hot takes out the gate. Juno. Juno from Jason Reitman. Son of Ivan. Son of man. Son of man. <laughs> Children of man. <laughs> Again, like uh, a hard choice. Which film do you go for yeah. uh, with, uh, with Jason Reitman? There are films of his I prefer, but like I've, it seems to be like the most fruitful collaboration he's had. It's with Diablo Cody. They've done like three or four films together. So I think it's appropriate that we do this one. Yeah. Um, their, their first. We were trying to go like 
you know, also with some of the most popular, like if it fit, it was like the films that fit with the PCC plus their most popular for sure. Yeah. Outings. And it feels like this is one of his most popular outings. Um, and it's something we've never talked about. So. Yeah. That's a good one to talk about. Again, a weird sort of combination of feeling from the last couple of weeks. Like we talked about Scarlett Johansson and Ghost World. And this movie kind of reminded me a lot of Ghost World, but also it had having similar themes and it had sort of this relationship revolving around an age gap. And when I started watching this, I was like, Oh no, I don't like this. This is like, I think this is going to age really fucking badly, actually. Mm. I remember really liking it as a teenager when it came out. But, like, the first theme, the like, although it starts with that great song that I love, the All I Want Is You. Yeah. And with the cool animated intro. But then it gets into, like, a really annoying scene with fucking Rain Wilson where they just talk in, like, I, what the fuck are they saying? Like, it's just, like, silencio and fucking, you know, like, um, they're just talking in puns. You know, yeah, like you, I feel like they're not having a real conversation. He's yeah. just like, what you know, what's the verdict, photo model? And you know, like, um, you know, that's a doodle that can't be undid. You know, it's just like, just talk. And it's just like, so at first, I was like, oh, I wanted it's gonna be like really like of the time. Like, it's that post Napoleon dynamite thing, isn't it? You know, like, yeah, just it, that sort of language, yeah. that sort of dialogue. Um, but it quickly grew out of that thank god yeah it had it i think and i think it becomes very aware of it because it centers around a very like a precocious character very sardonic character Mm -hmm. who's surrounded by very sincere people yes see that balance and you see the sort of faults of both sensibilities it was good it would turn into like a really good fully formed like strong character piece of a movie like really really fucking lovable like really likeable I forgot again because like Juno appeared quite annoying at the beginning and then I really grew to love that character as well as Bleeker and everyone apart from Jason Bateman but he's just (laughs) great at playing like a distant arsehole it's great and I forgot how much that the movie sort of leaned into that moment completely forgot how far that went yeah and it was very weird yeah and it it, it's weird but it make sense and again very ghost world very similar sort of arc that Enid yeah. takes in that no, but it's like well like it's all written really well observed a great script from Diablo Cody and really well directed by Jason Brightman like like turned it up when it needs and turned it down when it needs just like they're a lovely pair I think their sort of style mesh really well got two great performances I mean a bunch of great performances but like Elliot Page and Michael Sarah are great. And J.K. Simmons is great. It's got yeah. a great cast. Stop it, boy. Um, got a great soundtrack. Um, if a bit Wes Anderson. If a bit like... It, it, this feels a little more like... Um, that's the thing with these directors. Like the last two now, we've gone into their earlier work. And their influences show a bit more. Yeah. So like Lost in Translation is very one car Y and this is very sort of West Anderson, very like just very two thousand indie aesthetic. Yeah, definitely. You know, like that definitely. Napoleon Dynamite thing. It was it was running off the back of that, so it's just like that I think that was still there so strong in the atmosphere. Yeah, and like the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. But like the I think the story and the characters really elevate it. It's still quite a thought-provoking and challenging film. It's still not a film you would see 
very often, like mm. a teenage, like a teenage pregnancy, but dealt with like in a light way and like a pro adoption yeah, movie. Abortion. You know? Yeah. That's a big thing to talk about. Like, uh, especially and they make a really funny scene in that really horrible moment. <laughs> yeah. And it's like this, this right now, um, as it was kind of funny as like, we were talking about doing this and, uh, it's, I guess a little slightly dated now, but like, uh, because the way news cycles work and stuff, but like, you know, there's a big issue in America right now with like the abortion and, uh, them trying to overturn Roe versus Wade and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, uh, yeah, it's a very like weird thing to look at because back then, in 2008 when this came out or sorry 2007 when this came out um this film like didn't seem like something that would was ever seen before and of mm. course there's been films there's been so many films about teenage pregnancy and even abortion and stuff but like the way they talk about it and the decisions and stuff of the characters and going into planned parenthood uh, and all mm. that. And, you know, being a little bit more open to joke about things and stuff hadn't really been done before. So it was kind of like, I guess it that's why I mean groundbreaking yeah, yeah. in that sort of respect. And for sure. Yeah. You know, there's that ups and downs of the, the script really, because um, I think like Diablo Cody wrote this really strong script and maybe she at times did want to kind of lean into that Napoleon dynamite esque sort of territory. But at the same mm. time, I think uh, it was that probably awkward, like, irreverent humor. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was um, maybe amplified a little bit too from the studios or, you know, wanting it to ham up that a little bit as well. Push and, it at that. And I think the strong characters and actors in this film uh, really helped it not get bogged down in that. Because it really sure. could yeah. have gotten lost. I mean, there's moments, there's things in this film that are like, you know, like you, you mentioned the soundtrack, you got Kimya Dawson and Moldy Peaches, like basically just running the whole soundtrack and it's cool. Yeah. But at the same time that can grow old after a while. And it kind of does. And it, I don't know, like I'm, it's funny. You would think like, maybe I might be well into that, but I've never been into that style of music. I like folky mm. music, but I hate that sort of like talking singing voices of, and it's just like oh i'm so bored that i'm even here playing this song so i'm gonna talk all these lyrics out and you're yeah. gonna like this because it's so quirky <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it can get old yeah too. it screams of like you don't know how to sing so you're not singing like that and i'm not <laughs> saying the, the music itself is cool it's just like it's like the singing and stuff it's it's like and there's a lot of sure. it and then yeah. you add in the quirkiness of the napoleon dynamite-esque like acting it can and be stuff. it's just but so, it, yeah, it, by the, but yeah, like, I think it had a strong enough emotional core yeah. that really grounds the film. And that by the end, that's what hit me. Yeah. I think yeah, that, yeah. like I said, I like the two movies in a row made me cry. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, when it comes to the, spoilers, you know, natural ending where she doesn't have the baby, fucking beautiful it's a yeah. beautiful sequence it i think it's fucking and then when bleaker comes to fear and fucking cat power is playing and it's yeah. like oh man like it really earns that ending and then it ends on a really sweet moment of just those two playing together and that's a good song that yeah 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 um that's a good one that one totally works but yeah there's moments where they push it and it also the moments like that take me out because like 
again, I'm fucking just old and I'm grumpy, you know, like it's just shit that was cool when I was a teenager. Be like, yeah, fucking that Sonic Youth cover of the Carpenter song. Yeah. Like, oh, fucking Dario Gento. Like yeah, all these yeah. references yeah. that like now having worked at the Prince Charles Center for so long and that's all the conversation. Yeah. It comes off a bit like, oh, it's a bit wanky. It's a bit like pretentious, but it's not. It's not. It just no. comes off that way because I've had those conversations. It, it's one of those things I'm not going to let it win, right? Like it's just that cool you're doing an obscure reference it sounds like you're doing an obscure reference to sound cool, but like how else are you supposed to fucking do it then? Absolutely. Like I'm not giving them any room, but I'm I'm glad it's there because I know that got, it got me into some fucking, there's some songs that this movie got me into. And I bet this movie got a bunch of people into the movies and songs reference. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. I always appreciate that when indie, it's usually comes from indie films. Uh, Mm. you know or or things that are perceived to be some sort of indie project and stuff like it's funny because nowadays it's like stranger things is what gets people like um hyped on on like things from the past like you know kate, it, yeah. kate bush couldn't getting back in the charts was just hilarious but like it actually that reminded me of uh of because i'm pretty sure julia and i were laughing about that scene where he's like talking about movies and music with you know and mm. and i'm pretty sure we were laughing because we were kind of like oh god i hate this shit like i hate scenes yeah, like this and but this is what so we much. literally this is the podcast and yeah. yeah when i see it in a movie i'm like oh god yeah it's hard to, and i there's scenes like that in my movie and i'm sure people watching be like oh god <laughs> yeah fucking oh it's so yes. funny yeah this movie yes it's great it's funny though because like you're talking about like all these like all these like quirky references and stuff and it's just like i i've actually started to watch uh the new season of stranger things and i'm I'm, uh, ladies and gentlemen by the way phil and i are doing uh, a recap of all the episodes on patreon (laughs) (laughs) i have to watch season two three and four (laughs) if you want to hear that that'd be fun uh if you want to feel to hate himself for a long time i'm sure Um, it's fine i'm sure it's fine it's what the show represents i don't like yeah no no but there was a the show there was a really funny (laughs) moment yesterday we were watching one of the episodes and like there was a poster of like the last dragon in the background Mm -hmm. of one of the the, like you know a couple of the characters work at a video store and there's just like a poster Mm -hmm. of last dragon and i was just like laughing because i was like i don't know maybe maybe (laughs) That video store would have had a Last Dragon poster, maybe. I mean, you know, Quincy Jones was involved in it. It's like this Motown sort of thing. Yeah, but that's but... a very deep cut in a way. Like it's a very cult classic sort of film. Like Bruce Bruce Leroy shown off. Like it's a very like deep Showed cut. Up. Like I. If, Kind of doubt they would have had a last dragon there, and that's a bit of a Duffer Brothers like wanking, like oh, like I like last dragon. Maybe someone else who watches this is gonna like it. It's like the thing, like the thing, like the, in the very beginning of Stranger Things, the first like first few episodes, and it's they like have we're a, doing the thing. Yeah, they have a thing poster in the background, and we were laughing about it. It was like that film wasn't even that popular when it first came. Yeah, out. you know what like, I mean. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so like, uh, in. Yeah. It's like rewriting history, yeah. But I digress. What was <laughs> popular was Juno when it came out. Juno is fun. 
I like uh, Michael. No, do you know it's good? Yeah, I, I feel like, like I'm like Sarah. really criticizing it, but it's yeah. really good. It does hold up. I love Michael Sarah. I miss Michael Sarah. Yeah, yeah. I miss this era of Michael Sarah, and he, we can't always have that, and it'd be weird if we did. But um, yeah, because he's, he's older, older now. Older. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think this is a fun movie. It can get a bit lost in its own way of its quirkiness, um, which. I don't know. It's not, it can not be for everyone. And I could see that, but it, it I feel like I there's think, a disconnect from some yeah. between scenes because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of goes up and down, but it is a career role for Elliot page. Mm-hmm. Fucking great in it. Um, and like I've seen Elliot page in many things over the years, like uh, prior to this and, uh, or, or like, you know, maybe it was after I'd seen this, like, you know, Elliot was in um, like Trailer Park Boys and stuff, and it's so so it's like oh, really? really funny, yeah. Like before he he was in Juno and all that, so it was just like a mm-hmm. like before he became a big star and stuff. And uh, I mean, obviously, this is the film that really made Elliot Page a huge star. Yeah. So it's it's cool to see that growth and what Elliot Page has gone through in recent years and stuff, and mm-hmm. like it's great. And I hope that like they're happy and they can like you know continue to make movies and stuff because they're really really talented really talented. shows yeah and it's like that's this is a big role for someone who was quite young at the time and um, yeah how old would were they i mean let's see like, at the time because it's hard to play like and again it took a long time in hollywood to get like actual young people to play young people but both elliot page and michael Sarah are very believably teenagers yeah it would have been like you would have been like 20 maybe if that like roughly around so yeah, and they're totally. playing, you play sixteen. Yeah, oh yeah, that it totally fucking works. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's in also Diablo Cody is like, uh, you know, she was a one-time stripper who wrote this book called Candy Girl: A Year in the Life of an Unlikely Stripper, and yeah, kind of got like you know, I guess like you know, it was just like a um, a big buzz for it. Yeah, is a good word, and uh, ended up writing the screenplay, and this was her first screenplay and it's a great fucking first yeah. screenplay. There's a great story. I think she tells that of when she initially was starting to write it, she asked Jason Reitman for advice on how to write a script. Mm-hmm. And all he said was action on the left dialogue in the middle. <laughs> and I love that. Cause that's literally all you need to know. Yeah. It's like basic, like how to literally write a script, everything else, do what you want. Yeah. There are, there shouldn't be any rules. That's the point. And you shouldn't, especially someone coming into it like that with a fresh perspective shouldn't be, you know, boxed in with structure and rules and stuff. Yeah. Made the film much better. Yeah. Seriously. Like, you know, I, I would, you know, I don't, I've never written a screenplay. Um, but like, you know, I write these bullshit big episodes that we do sometimes and I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I, I know I like, I don't like, you know, write them in any particular order or, you know, fashion of like them being correctly formatted and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like, you know, if you're wanting to write a script and you've, you've just sort of said this and you've written a script and directed it Mm -hmm. and like, just fucking write it and show it to someone you trust. And if you want it to be formatted properly, like get some help, you know, but like, don't be stifled by like, is this correct in the format? And if, you're worried about it, just look it up on Google and then just like fucking there. turn it in and then like get some help of like someone could yeah. help doctor it into a good looking professional formatted <laughs> script. 
you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she, I mean, you know, again, this is another film where someone won an Oscar for the best original screenplay. And I remember that I remember, 2007 is a very important year to me. I said, I've said it many times. Um, I almost didn't want to talk about this film because I've had this idea in my head about going through the, the year of 2007. I partly thought I was going to um, maybe get it started on our little break that we've had, but I had no time. Like moving house was way bigger of a challenge than I thought it would be. Um, mm. So like, sorry guys for like not having these bonus episodes and all that sort of stuff in the past few weeks while we were away. But I mean, it's just, it's just no time. Um, <laughs> but 2007 is a big year. And like, this was kind of for me, like, uh, like I did like this film a lot when it came out and it was like, I felt like, it obviously was one of the big important films of the year. It was out for a lot of awards and stuff. And it was, it was sort of a shocker too, because it felt like a film that Hollywood wouldn't normally put up on a pedestal that high. Cause it was a, that was sure. a big year, big year. Yeah. Like you have, yeah, we know. you know, there'll be blood, there'll be blood country. No country, assassination of Jesse James, which like you got slept on completely. Um, there was a lot of big stuff that year and Zodiac Zodiac. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. And like this no, is a moved, very that year strange the film. Fucking that year. The, juggernaut. You're right. That year, <laughs> that year, the juggernaut, but it's a fucking turning point. Yeah. Um, it was a big year for me. And like what I like, you know, when I got interested in movies a lot, like I've always been interested in movies, but that was an important year. I think because I turned 18 that year and I was going to see films by myself a lot and stuff. And, I remember going to see this in cinema and I was well into like, you know, um, I've mentioned this before, but into like, you know, the Judd Apatow crew and all those people. So seeing Michael yeah. Sarah, like I knew him and that was a good gateway into this film. I think um, I knew Elliot Page a little bit and uh, I think I probably wasn't even aware. I remember hearing a lot about Diablo Cody, but I probably wasn't even aware really that Jason Reitman was director. You know, I know he's the you know, son no, of yeah, Ivan, not until maybe a film or two later yeah. that the name starts to stand on it. Then. Yeah. And that's, that's something I, th- I think, you know, cause we could talk about, cause we sort of like, we were, you know, leaning towards at the opening of this, like, mm. Ivan, like Ivan Reitman, again, like Francis Ford Coppola, but a completely different style of filmmaker is a very respected name in comedy. And it's a hard yeah. The thing, especially what we've we've talked about, go over patreon.com for slash the PCC podcast. You support the podcast, you get like these bonus episodes, and we talked about Ghostbusters Afterlife on a bonus episode. I don't think that went to the main feed. Um I don't think so. But anyway, it's over there. (laughs) And um I I think it's like one of those things where it's we've talked and we've talked about Ghostbusters before uh on the main (laughs) timeline and the just the fandom around it and like the toxicity of that, Mm. like, and what people like, I don't know why, but they hold it up so high on a pedestal. And I think Ghostbusters is great, but chill out. And it's the same thing right now because Star Wars and Obi-Wan and we'll get back to Star Wars, (sighs) folks. Just wait, just you wait. But like, Uh, yeah, we're going to do a episode recap week by week of (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan. Just for my benefit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for your benefit. <laughs> Patreon, hey, hit us up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Every episode in Stranger Things and Obi Wan. Yeah, this week on Stranger Things and Obi Obi Wan. 
dude, like, but seriously, like, fuck off. Like, you know, like, chill out. If the conversation's around it. Yeah. And the fact that, like, that could, like, just the people holding these sort of films and stuff on a, like, so high on a pedestal, like, how that must make it so much harder to be the child of a famous person who's trying to stand on your own because like, good God, mm-hmm. how can you live in the shadow of like the director who made, you know, who made Ghostbusters as your own man. But like Ivan Raymond really like his films are great, but like at the same time, he's not like he's the greatest director ever, but no, this is the, the thing. This is why I was saying, I think Jason Reitman does succeed in like coming out of, you know, father's shadow and making a name for himself as a filmmaker in his own right mm-hmm. but that helped along quite a bit by the fact that he made completely different movies exactly well yeah. i've you know ivan raitman made you know what a titan of comedy in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. made some great studio comedies made ghostbusters and twins and junior. yeah yeah meatball kindergarten cop some great stuff yeah um, and he produced Animal House. <laughs> like, so, yeah. yeah, and produced a lot of great stuff. Father's yeah. Day, it's a great movie. I mean, that's not a time where comedy isn't particularly respected as films, and he's not you know, spoken about in the same breath as like Francis Ford Coppola, even though he is still as well-liked, as well-respected. I do love me some Ivan Reitman, of course. Mm. Jason Reitman comes in and he makes Thank You for Smoking. And Juno and Up in the Air. These are completely different fucking movies. Yes. Tonally, culturally, sentimentally, they are just on a different wavelength. They're incomparable to the shit his dad made. So the conversation automatically shifts. He just, you know, it's like, it'd be like, oh, Jason Ryman, son of Ivan Ryman. Yeah, but he made completely different movies. So it's like, it's not easier. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that had helped him. Yeah. That he came in. And obviously that's helped growing up in film. Yeah. And clearly a good understanding of filmmaking. That's why it's even more crazy risky that he came back for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And it worked, regardless of what we thought about it. For the most part, I think it did well. People seem to really fucking dig that movie. Yeah. And it did what people wanted, you know, from the last one. Whatever, we'll drop it. But... <laughs> So I think he succeeded in that way. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, like Sofia Coppola, you know, goes a bit more toe-to-toe with her, you know, legacy. Jason Ryman forges a new path because he makes a whole different genre of film, really. His stuff is funny. Juno is fucking funny, obviously, but it's not funny in, like, a Ghostbusters SNL style of comedy. Yeah, it's not. In a broader style of comedy. Yeah. This is more quirky and obscure and weird and very you know it's more sarcastic in a way that it's not like a wink and a nudge to the camera it's sort of like you know not in a bill murray yeah sarcastic yeah way. yeah yeah there's two in different, different types, types of sarcasm that are playing here yeah um yeah um, no that's but that, that's, that's how point. i feel about and it. I, I feel like that's in a way is the reason why maybe he's less known and his his uh name probably doesn't hold as much of like the stigma about it because like, unless if you know, you know, whereas like some, I think some filmmakers like, you know, like Coppola is such a big name, you know, it's such a big name. Um, And it's, I think it's a hard legacy when your father's made like two films that are sequels to each other that both won Academy Awards. It's like never been done. Like of like, you know, 
two of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, and they're they're called the best movies ever, and also is made like one of the best war films of all time, and and also made Jack. Yeah. So I mean, fuck. And I love Jack. I love Jack. And there's no and yeah (laughs) to go up and start making movies after that and not fall. Mm. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Jason Ryan coming in and like redefining what that name could be as well, it's just impressive in a different way. Yeah, definitely. So it's, just, it's just different. Well, Diablo Cody said that she based the story on her own life and just wanted to tell a story that was different from the rest of Hollywood movies. Juno is like a personal emotional scavenger hunt for me. I drag so many of my own experiences into it that I'm shocked the movie is so coherent. I managed to get every person, quirk, and object that has meaning in my life into the script. I wanted to make it deeply personal. Uh, I didn't want it to be generic. Four years before Juno was released, Napoleon Dynamite, another micro-budgeted film that grossed a lot of money, uh, inspired Diablo Cody. So there was some inspiration there. Napoleon Dynamite was the successful indie movie, and I saw it and I went, okay, I'll write something like that, but I'll make Napoleon a girl. And she told that to Vanity Fair. Um, in an interview with Collider, Michael Sarah said that one of the reasons why he wanted to star in the film was because the script was written like a book. So this kind of plays into what you were saying um, earlier about her asking, like, you know, for tips about how to write this, actually write the script. And uh, he said, I remember certain paragraphs were just broken up oddly. And it was kind of like, oh, it's not like reading a script. It's more like reading a book. And that kind of made me want to do the movie. I thought, well, if it's written oddly, if it's not written like a script, then it's got to be a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he would write. Speaking of Michael Sarah, Phil, how about a little bit of snack time? The changes have come in both the good and the bad. But the one thing that's constant is a snack time. It's hat, hat, hat. Snack time. I have to say, before, this was a very um, difficult snack time for the opposite reason than normally it's because sometimes it's just hard to find something that works. Yeah. This had an overabundance of food in it. Yeah, it's a there foodie is. movie. Yeah. You know, there's lots of food. She's got the burger phone. He's got the Tic Tacs. There's so much shit. And I was looking for specific Sunny things D? and I couldn't find. <laughs> Sunny D, I really wanted Sunny yeah. D. It's hard to get there. It's like, what happened to Sunny D, man? Yeah. I remember that from like when I was a kid. I feel like it went extinct. I feel like um, all those weird things only exist in like the weirdest corner store. Like, you know, you go and you find, it's like a yeah. can of Lilt. Like, you know, I, I yeah, only know yeah. Lilt because of Lemmy. Because Lemmy has a, a really good, the Scottish comedian Lemmy has a really good sh- uh, story about trying to find a can of lilt on a hot summer day. And it's just the funniest <laughs> fucking story. Um, but like, uh, you know, it's like one of those things that you can only get in a corner shop. And I feel like that's where your son yeah. is. Yeah. But I did get something um, that at least referenced in the movie. Yeah. So I feel like I haven't failed. Sweet. What do you got? Go for it. I got with all the food that she eats and mm. she eats so much, <laughs> but that one She's pregnant, thing at the Phil. end is she is pregnant. And I love that she just fucking taking yeah. food. You can, Literally, you could pick anything. She's probably eating it in this movie. <laughs> but I went with a very sweet line she had toward the end of the movie where she said, you know, Paulie Bleeko's boss, he's the, you know, 
cheese to my mac and cheese. Yeah. Right? I got fucking ginstered mac and cheese. Ooh, oh, nice. Oh, fucking ginstered. So you made a baked you, mac and cheese. You found another mac and cheese uh, snack. Did you remember I had those like mac and cheese bites? Like, uh, that oh, I ordered. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what film that was for and why I was like, oh, I better get mac and cheese bites. But these, um, you know, Jinster, I had a lot of Jinster during the film. Oh, yeah? You know, like, that's a lot That's a lot of the din- dinners we had, and they kept me alive. Um, so I figured this will be good. And you can eat, you can heat it up, but I kind of like them cold. So I'm going to take a bite of it cold. I don't even know what this is. This feels like something... That was imported from, from Ireland like a, or something. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of England in the Midlands. No idea. Ginsters. Never heard of it. Because it looks like a hot pocket. Ginsters make like sausage rolls and okay. veggie patties and like all these like pastry goods. Yeah. That can be eaten warm or cold. Weird snacks. It's weird. Mac, mac and cheese shouldn't be in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. I mean, it's pretty good though. Mm-hmm. It's very soft, very weirdly creamy. It might be better warm, but I don't know. It's all right. Ginster is pretty solid, but <laughs> I know this isn't. This is not the optimal way to eat mac and cheese. But it's pretty good snack. This would be a good lunch, like a work lunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, how many? Uh, how many pregnancy tests are you giving it? Let's be topical, cheap. Pissed on a lot of pregnancy tests, I believe. I give her, I'll give it, I give her, I'll give it the amount of tests that she peed on, which is three. Three. Okay. Mm. That's not bad. Mm. That's passable. What you got? I, well, Perfect. like I said, I felt like yeah, there was solid. A, like I did actually kind of forget there was tons and tons of stuff going on. Like I remember the Tell Sunny me. D and I, I do remember the burger phone, but I felt like the, the, the mm. sweetest, like, you know, thing in the film and everything literally uh and figuratively in the film was uh the tic tacs poly bleaker nice you found tic tacs so i got some uh, unfortunately they don't do just orange here that i've seen um but they do lime and orange orange, which is the famous flavor here and they also do like a cherry one and stuff which i felt like could have almost worked because you remember she gave him her underpants that had cherries on them but that's just too weird that's too weird um, but anyway, fresh. And also, Phil, did you know Tic Tacs? You can do this. Look, turn it upside down, open it, and uh, it's not going to want to do it. And then there's a little perfect spot here that holds the Tic Tac. Oh, my God. That's what that's for. Sorry. You get one. I did not. One Tic Tac. Nice. Nobody eats them like that. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy because you, of course, just go like... Yeah, you got yeah. like five five hundred in your mouth. How, how are they? To be honest, I do like a Tic Tac. I do, um for a while I was really into them. I think Julia and I used to get Tic Tacs a lot. Just have a pack, but they're great. They're great little things. Like if you feel like you want to pop something, need a little sugar rush, or um you know if your breath kind of. I mean that's kind of the point. It's a bit of a, a mint, right? But the thing about mm. Tic Tacs are if you have them in your pocket and you're walking around. It's just like <laughs> that sound, and that's fucking annoying. I hate when people have like jangly keys in their pockets and all that sort of stuff. And you know, and this only adds to like fucking shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> no, yeah. I, I. They're really, social pariah snacks in a weirdest way possible. You know, it's it's they're, it's yeah. almost the same as your your smelly foods that you eat and your breath smells or they get Cheeto dust on your fingers. I was going to say this is a smelly breath food, the mac mm. and cheese, for sure. I don't want to yeah. be dealing with anyone after this. But Tic Tacs are great. I like great. a Tic Tac. How many? See, Bill, this is like five, ten minutes on just like well, bullshit yeah, just snack time. Yeah. This isn't the best stuff. <laughs> How many um, sweatbands do you give it? Three sweatbands. Um, yeah, you know, solid four. I like a tic tac. Four sweatbands. Four sweatbands. Four sweatbands. Four sweatbands. <laughs> what you prefer, Two lime or orange? Wars? Two words. Um, I I think orange, but lime is nice. It's a nice it's a nice mix. Um, I feel like you do you do get both, but separate in America, and I don't know if you get both together. And then there's also like the classic mint version in America, mm. and I think like ten billion different other flavors as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They're 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 nice together. I like the orange though. Classic for me. Cool. And Polly Bleak. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah, I think everybody was wanting to know that for years. I'm sure someone's just said, all right, that's me done with this podcast. That's all I've ever wanted to know is what flavor Tic Tac John likes. Okay, now I can die happy. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Well, around the time that this film was released, uh, Gloucester High School in Massachusetts noticed that there was an increase in teen pregnancies. Uh, the school's principal, <laughs> Dr. Joseph Sullivan, told Times several young women made a pact to get pregnant and raise their babies together. The media dubbed it the Juno effect. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> In uh, 2008, Planned Parenthood's president, Cecile Richards, told Entertainment Weekly that the teen birth rate was increasing. However, since then, teen pregnancies have been on the decline. So it was a you know, one-year spurt or just a coincidence. Who knows? But that's kind of interesting, right? Like just <laughs> random <laughs> girls just deciding, hey, let's just get pregnant. A lot of pack. Yeah. Maybe we should make a pact at the end of this arc. Well, Phil, <laughs> uh, we, we mentioned the music a little bit. Kimya Dawson uh, alongside Sonic Youth, The King's Bell and Sebastian, Cat Power. It's a nice quirky little soundtrack. The, they all had songs on this film. There was, um, there was two soundtracks to this film. The second one being Juno B-Sides, Almost Adopted Songs. Uh, the first soundtrack was a big hit. It went platinum. Kimya Dawson, who was a part of Maldi Peaches, uh, was discovered through her paintings. So, like three years before the movie came out, Kimya Dawson painted a picture for the casting director, Carl Lipson. And Elliot Page was a big fan of Maldi Peaches. And he recommended the band to Ivan Reitman. And then Carl Lipson heard he was trying to track down Dawson. And Kimya Dawson told Inter- Entertainment Weekly that Carl Lipson just emailed me and was like, hey, remember me? I ordered a painting. She sent me a copy of Ivan Reitman's uh, feature, Thank You for Smoking, and the Juno screenplay. And then once I'd watched Thank You for Smoking and read the screenplay, I was like, okay, cool. I like that movie. And this is a nice story about family and pregnancy and all that business that I like. So it's kind of funny. She was just discovered via selling a painting to the casting director. It's a really, That's really weird. cool. Yeah, the movie was made for only $6.5 million and 
you know, last week's episode we were talking about it was a four million dollar budget. It made like 181 million. This like just was insane. It was 231 million dollars worldwide, and it earned four Oscar nominations, um, wow. including a nod for Best Picture. Of course, it lost to No Country for Old Men. Um, <laughs> but even to be in the same conversation, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and this was before I, I swear this was before Oscar like expanded the categories like to like well the best picture category to like 10 nominations because it was Mm -hmm. really only five for so many years and then they expanded it to 10 and then it started to which might have been like the year after or something like that because it was like i remember like dark knight was being like nominated and stuff and even though it deserved it it was like weird that it was getting nominated so that's what i meant by like juno like getting nominated felt kind of odd at the time because it was like this sort Mm -hmm. of out of nowhere quirky comedy about teenage pregnancy and uh, like, you know, consideration of abortion. And yeah, like just it felt like sort of a Napoleon Dynamite esque film, but a little bit more serious, like with a lot more serious, like, uh, you know, ground that it covered, like to be nominated for best picture was like a fucking huge deal. Um, yeah. And like I said, it went on to win the best original screenplay award, which was just insane. It was the first Fox Searchlight film to surpass $100 million at the box office. And it received acclaim from critics, many who placed it in their top 10 year, uh, top ten list of the year, which is, again, 2007. Look it up. An insane year of films. Like, it's unbelievable all the fucking movies that came out that year. And it was like, yeah, just crazy. I mean, it did receive some criticism and praise from members of both anti-abortion groups and abortion rights groups. So, like, it's kind of funny. Like, when neither of us are happy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When are they ever happy? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, good point. Yeah, um, I think the thing is, like, you know, people who support abortion see this film and they see it like she's making this choice. Like, you know, Juno, it gets given information. Uh, I think, like thoughtfully processes the information from a very young age of being 16 and has this really mm. like, you know, her parents didn't freak out, you know? And I think that's mm. great. Like Allison Janey as the stepmom, which is also a character you don't ever get to see in films before. Like, you know, the, the stepmother is always like this horrible, it's always, you know what I mean? Like character, there's always all yeah. this horrible and she's character. she's perfectly nice. And she's yeah. so nice and she's so supportive and they have a great relationship. There's never, like, you feel like you rarely see that of step parents where they get along with the stepchildren. It's like, it's so nice. Um, and then there's, you know, obviously the father, J.K. Simmons is like, of course they're a bit like, sarcastic and stuff but they're like you know they they all contemplate the decisions and and uh that juno makes and you know it's all thoughtfully played out where Mm. you know this it's a big serious decision and i think that's why a lot of people who are in support of abortion like probably appreciated it but then there's also anti-abortion people appreciate it because like she decides to not get an abortion and people are seeing the film as being an anti-abortion film, which is like, really oh, I funny. didn't read it like that. And Diablo Cody's like, no, <laughs> like this is definitely a film about choice and you have the right to choose. <laughs> I think it's just cause that yeah. scene is kind of funny where she goes to the abortion clinic and uh, the girl is there and just sort of like, you know, 
talking about flavored yeah, condoms or whatever and like fingernails and all that <laughs> stupid shit like <laughs> so, yeah, yeah completely undermining and that's perfectly like reasonable for her to have that experience to be like yeah i don't want to do this yeah if, like these kind of people are dealing with it like i don't Absolutely. i don't know oh, like that kind of stuff really bothers me because it's like true freedom true equality true empowerment comes from choice yeah being able to choose whichever and not fucking demonizing the other Absolutely. You can fucking have an abortion if you want. You can fucking give up for adoption if you want. It doesn't matter. It's your choice. As long as you're not fucking hurting anyone, you're fine. Yeah. And I think she, yeah, I'd, I'd like, it just doesn't even, like, and I'm someone fucking, like, for pro-choice, and it doesn't bother me that, like, she doesn't do it. Yeah. You know, she yeah. fucking makes the decision, and then the film is her dealing with that decision. There'd be no film otherwise. <laughs> That's the whole fucking yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Teenage pregnancy. Yeah. And, like, we have to, out. like, put this out there that we are two fucking men as well, and we are yeah, the exactly. last people that should have a fucking opinion on should, it, you know? Opinion so. on it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great. Otherwise, like, uh, you know, it's funny. We sort of danced around it a little bit, but like the uh, Mark, the, the Mark character, it's, it's. I, oh yeah, we I really glossed really, over I really didn't remember um, how deep really that didn't got. Like him. I, and I forgot completely. Really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very weird and how he like, which I think it's not weird in the sense of, um, that Diablo Cody wrote this because that's very fucking real. No, no, no. It's just weird. weird. Like, it's weird because I don't remember it and I, um, and it, it's, it's awkward to deal with, uh, especially when it comes from someone like Jason Bateman that I do like as an actor and I love the rest of development. It's very funny. Plus you get and the rest of development. And makes you not like him. Yeah, you get the rest of development of, um, you know reunion reunion and it, i think they even made some funny comments about it because this is before arrested development came back so this was like um it was funny like oh you're adopting your son's child which was just like this yeah. this funny sort of comment that he had with michael sarah but like yeah it's it's like his character you, you it's hard to like hate jason bateman but man he's such a dick and like he's he's a dick yeah, to like jennifer him. garner and it's funny how uh, they jennifer cross garner's so good in this yeah they, they yeah they cross like ships in the night man because she comes in really hardcore and de- desperate and depressing of like just like oh i really want a baby oh. and he's like cool yeah, and he's like cool. like laid back yeah. and like oh yeah. and even like juno sees them like that like she thinks you know that Vanessa's lame and like mm. it's a lame like you could see it yeah. she's like you're and lame cool. and Mark is fucking cool but it actually turns out Mark's a piece of shit and he's super yeah, lame yeah he's being immature he's, like yeah. that whole blow off is painful and in a, in a good way like she's realizing what's happening and yeah. how much of a dick he's being and like she had that great line after which she did, uh, with J.K. Thimmon where he, she's like he's like oh what what, what's up? What are you dealing with? And she's just like, just things that are far beyond my maturity level. <laughs> and I really appreciate that line. Yeah. yeah, but you and you come in the same way where like, and that's good. And I like a movie that does that because like, I feel for like I would normally yeah like lean more towards the Jason Bateman character because he's like oh he like fucking records and comics and like shit this is me and it's like fuck I would never do that I wouldn't be that much of a dick and it's just like you know like again someone who needs to say how they're feeling and not yeah. end up in a situation where he's about to like ruin his wife's life because he doesn't want to have a kid he wants to live in the city and be cool and be a rock star and yeah. all that stuff that she makes fun of him for and like you see both 
you see that both of them struggled. That film does actually quite well at like balancing that and never feeling like you're pitting one against the other. And yeah. it's just done. It's done. And, and it's interesting that they skip that whole bit because you're always from Juno's perspective. She leaves at the beginning of their fight and you only come back after they've sort of dealt with it. And then it's somehow more tragic because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's done really well. It's interesting too, because it's, it is kind of similar to last week's episode of the, the sort of, <sighs> this one's worse because she is underage and it, but it's mm. that sort of groomer mentality as well which I feel like For sure and you got that line it's like I thought you'd be into this yeah you know like it's like what what the fuck did you think was gonna happen yeah I you know what dude I think really you're like, gonna hang out in my loft with me like what the fuck there's elements to this film I think really that are so ahead of its time because only today it feels like people are talking about this sort of behavior like the thought of culture for sure and taking it seriously her reaction is so good. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think that's why this uh, was maybe glossed over at the time and I didn't remember it. Like, I totally... Mm. I remember him being a dick and I remember there was, like, the whole, the no, whole but thing. Now we're but very I don't remember... Yeah, to that kind of behavior. Fucking, yeah. Wow. And that's why I liked... Um, I mean, I meant Juno... I meant uh, Jennifer Garner's reaction when, like, Juno comes up or, like, crying and stuff and she immediately looks at Jason Bain and be like, what did you what do? What did you do? Because rightly, she's like, seriously, what the f- A teenage girl comes running up from the basement yeah. crying? What the fuck am I supposed to think that you did? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's pretty fucking gross. And I feel the like- connotation of that is quite deep. I feel like, yeah, like, it feels like that sort of stuff is only being taken a little bit more, a little bit more seriously these days. Just a, a pebble. Yeah, the most- the most impressive thing about this movie, I think the thing that will keep it um, timeless, is how it handles those themes. Yeah. Regardless of like if some of the language is a bit annoying or maybe some of the characterization is a bit naive, it's incredibly well done. Like really observant and delicate with those themes and has proved itself to be quite um, progressive and timely because of that. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Like it's still the film is nearly twenty years old. Yeah. Which is also really fucking depressing. Yeah, this is the fifteenth anniversary. On that podcast, <laughs> dude, you're, you're you're nearly you're nearly at twenty, man. I think that's yeah. when you do the two thousand seven podcast. I'll just do it. In, um, yeah, twenty twenty seven. You can lead up to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's what kept it. Um, like that's what uh, aged it well. Yeah. Like it's still funny and it's still a good watch and it's still relatable and relevant and just all those good things. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, if we're going to close out, because um, we are, uh, Jason, you know, Jason Reitman does a great job with like a very strong screenplay from a largely female perspective. I mean, obviously there are characters like a Polly Bleeker and a Mark and stuff that you have to, there were two different types of uh, guys that um, have two mm. different types of sensibilities and stuff that are written here, but it's largely from uh, the woman's perspective of those decisions of like, you know, you know, pregnancy and abortion and being a teenage girl and uh, being groomed by a, a, a man and just falling into those mm. like, like, I don't know, like he's, a, it's, a, it's interesting because... Societal trap. Yeah, yeah. it's just... 
like you can see he's he's playing her from the very beginning because he's he notices mm. that she's into certain things and he gets these weird ideas and like he starts trying to entrap her into his whole like you know oh i like these movies oh you don't know these this song and blah 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 just like you know she she makes him feel big yeah. and important and yeah. which is something he'd been needing but like then you yeah. have yeah like bleaker on the other side who just fucking loves her like J- jk Newman put it just loved her for who she in yeah. and like that whole thing that jk Newman said i think it's the fucking best bit of the, mm. that movie just the cause she so even the way she now you know she gets into the situation maybe because she's slightly immature but even how she's wanting to reconcile with it you know she said oh i just want to be say that love can last forever which yeah. is an immature way to look at it and jk Newman like bring it down it's like that's not you know how you should be seeing it it's just someone who likes you for you and that's an incredibly important message and it's a hard message to learn yeah and jk Newman had it's just perfect at that character absolutely no, i just yeah. had to mention it I yeah just think he's he, so good him and alice just so fucking so good. good yeah, yeah they, they were like highlights for me in the yeah. movie and just it's all of it working together yeah um but really it's a good like good message underneath i think and you and that that um transcend i think the movie definitely well ivan i'm sorry jason ryman jason ryman <laughs> Oh, he, uh, he uh, he's yeah, do a good job. I I'm I feel like yeah, again well. very curious to get into some more of his films. Um, because like, this is part of a incredible run he had right at the beginning, and yeah. then he sort of fell out of favor for a while. Mm-hmm. And now his last couple films have sort of come back a little bit. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. It, It'd be interesting to, to he'd had an interesting career so far, yeah, and had remained kind of I think fairly consistent. Yeah, I I need to Not in, just in terms of subject matter. I need to jump more into his stuff. I think it's similar to Sofia Coppola. I've seen a few here and there, um, but now I've seen everything. And um, I've seen most of his stuff. I've I think there's only like two I haven't seen. Mm. But yeah, I um, just I feel like uh, I don't know when uh, <laughs> and like. <laughs> when I'll have time to dive deep into his his filmography, but like uh, I do like what I've seen, and I feel like this is a good point to talk about. And he, he's a strong, like yeah, a very strong director who comes at filmmaking from a completely different standpoint, which we've talked about, and that sort of yeah definitely helps um, you stand apart from a famous parent for sure. So yeah, good job. <laughs> Good job. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Another child of man. Another child of man down. Um, <laughs> we're, we've got another one, and I think the, the next one's a very like fun one for me. Uh, we talked about one of his films before on the podcast. Uh, one of the best, biggest, uh, you know, rom coms of all time, and he's done quite a few other very fun films that are rom coms or or uh you know just dramas comedies he's a great director it's one mr rob reiner and a film that i'm surprised we've never talked about on the podcast before uh stand by me jesus christ what this is mm, love this movie i can't wait to classic. talk about it classic yeah classic phil next week you want to go see a dead body 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it'll probably be one of us. That's all I ever <laughs> want to do. I've been waiting so long for you to say that to me. Yeah. It'll maybe be one of us because we maybe have decided to just finally off ourselves. No, to Phil, don't it do it. Don't end it all. It's. I just mean like not us personally, like not you and I. I just mean like I'm just taking this, my head out the oven on this podcast. On the, <laughs> on the podcast. podcast. The no, we're talking about the it's, podcast. It's characters. It's the characters. characters. This isn't real. This isn't real. This is fiction. This is like a <laughs> bit we're doing. It's like a. It's like a show. We're playing <laughs> ourselves, but not ourselves. Yeah. How do we feel? And on the that? podcast. That. Yes. <laughs> And also in real life, but most, you know. But you're far away when you're doing that in real life and no one has to know. Exactly. But here I'm like right, right there. next to the microphone. Right there. I'm right there. Fucking I'm sad. right fucking there, man. Dad, you have to deal with that shit. You have to listen <laughs> to me being sad. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You could pop us an email, Um, Tell us uh, nice things so we feel better. And uh, tell let us, us nice things. Let us know what you think about Jason Reitman. And uh, if you listened to last week's episode but didn't reach out, Sophia Coppola, uh, maybe we'll have a little bit of user feedback on the podcast um, in the, the week, in that week following. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. We've got uh, Stand By Me by Rob Reiner. If you want to let us know what you think of Rob Reiner ahead of time, he's got a fun repertoire of films. And then also take a stab. This is the third one. So who is the fourth mystery person? We're not going to tell you next week uh, at the end of that episode like we've been doing in the previous episode. So you have to guess. If uh, anyone guesses it right, um, <laughs> I don't know. Can of Coke to you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, can of Coke. You get a free snack. Yeah, free snack. You have to come in. You have to come into the, uh, the cinema because I don't want to have to. I don't want to mail yeah. stuff and they get lost in the mail and you'd be like oh and they'd be like oh yeah. <laughs> that's probably what they sound like <laughs> probably what they sound like every email I get um, <laughs> not from you guys go. but erroneous every other yeah <laughs> oh. stand by me by me oh, oh. stand by me by me it's kind of cool, Phil. Like next week, we don't have a film about predators, but um, there is a predator who does a voice in films. So, hey, stay oh, tuned. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to learn all about that. Yeah. Bye, guys. See you on the other side of the track. <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.